This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Love some pre-kin vibes. I love explaining pre I love jokes you have to explain, man. If I didn't have those, I'd have nothing. My brain hurts after hearing that explanation for the second time. <laughs> Why? No, it was entertaining to live. It was entertaining to live it again. Yes, I, it was entertaining to live it again. But also, my brain is trying to calculate all of the preekends, and I start thinking about the preekness, which also happens on a weekend about a month from now. And I, I, my brain just. I get it. You know, brain is Swiss cheese by Friday. That's fine. We can work that into the preken. The preken gives and it takes, man. The preken gives and it takes. If you get after a preken on a Thursday, if you get after a preken, then sometimes your Fridays are a little hazy, and that's fine. You know, you got Buckhead down there. I assume you live adjacent to all the nightlife that Atlanta has to offer. I do, but not in Buckhead. Not in Buckhead. <laughs> okay. You're. Or have we aged out of Buckhead? That's something uh-uh. to... That's something no, to talk no, about. No, I, I just I have made the choice not to live in Buckhead. I live in another trendy area of Atlanta. All right, we don't need to identify it. He's Michael Rothstein, international man of mystery. He is our ESPN Falcons reporter uh, dialing in from the ATL. I'm Randy Scott. You can see me on SportsCenter AM. Uh, you can hear me right now on Canteen Carlin, ESPN Radio, uh, as well as the ESPN app and SiriusXM Channel 80, and by asking your smart speaker politely to play ESPN Radio. We're in for the guys on this lovely Friday afternoon. And a stretch, I, I'm... Again, I'm taken by how you classified the next you know, 10 or so sports days here, and it really does start today with the Women's Final Four tonight. Michael, you said this could be the best 10-day stretch as a sports fan of the year. Well, no, I didn't say could be, Randy Scott. Oh, I said is. Oh, you were. Def- I was giving you wiggle room, man. No, I don't want my wiggle room. I, I want. <laughs> I want to fully own this and say that I think that this is the best 10-day stretch of sports in the United States. Every year, because generally you have you have the Final Four, men's and women's, and if you like basketball like I do, that's awesome. You have baseball just starting up. You've got the home stretch of NBA and NHL going into the playoffs. You've got college football spring games in theory. You've got NFL draft com- conversation. I cover combat sports for ESPN. Generally, you have at least one, if not two, big fights. And oh yeah, there's this little thing in the state I live in, Randy. It's called the Masters. That's oh. next weekend. It's the start of spring. The unofficial start of spring also fits in this pool season, man. Pool season. Let's go. Let's go. I was bounced unceremoniously from my uh, from my pool for any work-related ESPN.com tournament challenge. I mean, as soon as Texas was out, I had a shot. If the Horns went on to win, I was going to win a couple brackets. They did not, so I will not. And uh, let's let's start this hour of, of Canton Carlin and ESPN Radio with a former Longhorn and Kevin Durant. I was, and, and remain, fascinated by, appreciative of, the kind of professional athlete that Kevin Durant is. I love that he is the, to carry over from last hour, the anti-patriot. You know, like he is the guy who is going to tell you how he's feeling. He's going to wear his heart on his sleeve. He's going to maybe Is he going to have a social media burner now and again? Sure. Friends, who among us? You know, glass houses, right? Like our own social media behavior could be put under a microscope before we put Kevin Durant's under it. He is as connected to fans as I think you'll see from someone in his stature, and he remains a walking bucket. Now, he has not been afraid, keep all that in mind, to talk about his own legacy and, frankly, how others view his own legacy. He was talking with The Athletic recently in a piece that was published on TheAthletic.com. He said, I don't care about legacy. I used to. I used to want to carve out a lane or space in this game for myself that people can remember. But it's become too much of a thing now. It just becomes too much of a focus on other people. What's he done? What's he done? Comparisons, 
before, when we wasn't doing all this debating, I cared about it. I'm about to be in the same breath as these top guys. It was big. Nowadays, I truly, truly don't care. I truly just want to go out there and produce, be the best I can be, go home, hang with my family, that's it. So he's talking in reference to these asterisks that people put on the titles that he won with the Golden State Warriors. Heretofore, Michael, the only titles that he has, right? And this is a sticking point. This idea that there are asterisks on a title for a player of Kevin Durant's status doesn't only not sit well with me, double negative notwithstanding, but it certainly doesn't sit well with one of the nicest and normally calmest basketball voices that we have at this company, Brian (laughs) Winhurst. It's so important and so tough to do it that when you once you win a championship, you never, ever have to say you're sorry. And when it comes to Kevin Durant and anybody who tries to say that his championships are somewhat not whole is bull bleep. Because I'm telling you, the 2017 championship, okay, when they beat the Cavs four to one, that Cavs team was awesome. That Cavs team went 12-1 and through the West, through the East playoffs, okay? Mm-hmm. LeBron was at the peak of his powers. Kyrie Irving was awesome. They had gone out and gotten shooters around that team. That team was great. I would say probably 80, 90% in the history of the game, that team wins. The reason that was 4-1 would be because, because Kevin Durant was a killer in those playoffs. I, I, I just want someone to argue something that passionately about me. As Brian Windhorst just did for, for Kevin exactly. Durant, like I seriously, like I, that, I, I would just love one person to argue that heavily for something that I do in life and for me or for for anything because that was a full throated defense of Kevin Durant and honestly something I agree with because you shouldn't take championships away from guys especially in the era of big three, big four, like we live in and have lived in for the last two decades or so. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. do, does that any? Do people still criticize LeBron's champ? You know, when he won in Miami. I mean, no. It, it's ever like, do people criticize? Maybe in Cleveland. Well, maybe in Cleveland, yes. But do people people criticize some of the other Warriors championships because they have a, certainly a big three mm-hmm. in Clay, Steph, and Draymond, and you could argue Andrew Wiggins last year. I mean, th- no, I don't. I agree. Like. I agree with KD on so many levels. Like it should not be about legacy, if that is how you want to be viewed and that is how you feel. Because at the end of the day, what you think, what I think, Randy, like none of that matters. What matters is what Kevin Durant thinks about himself. And if this is how Kevin Durant wants to approach himself, then that. (laughs) Well, no, it's not. I'm gonna. Sorry, Brian Winhorst. I'm gonna tell you, I, I, it does matter though, and it, and it matters Mm. now. It matters now because. Unfortunately, you need to have someone like Brian, Brian Winhurst uh, fight your battles for you. Because even someone, Michael, as connected as Kevin Durant on social media, and he talks about it further in the piece, um, he talked about, let's see, uh, he talked how fans and media are not logical about how they talk about him or look at what I've done and say that's it. They got to add a narrative to it. They got to push something to discredit me. Once I left to go to the Warriors, it's been gymnastics on how to discredit me every step of the way. It's like, damn, that's not even fun no more, like engaging with people because y'all aren't even being truthful. You move the goalpost every time. You expect the most out of me, and if I don't reach it, I'm a failure. It's like, what's the problem? So you need people like Brian Windhorst, people who have MVP votes, people who frame legacies, as a player, you are not in control of your legacy. You're not in control of how you are viewed. This is, I mean, 
Kevin Durant's comments are proof positive to that effect. He cannot control how he's viewed. He can't control his legacy. You need people in the media to carry your torch while walking the line of journalism, as I say to the Newhouse grad. Like, that is, you know what I mean? Like, it's it, within reason. You can't, you know, be in someone's pocket, so to speak, but you have to rely on the media. Think about this for a second. You have to rely on the media to be impartial and to view your basketball accomplishments for what they are, not for how they hurt feelings, not for how free agency, a system that is allowed and afforded that opportunity to players, and a, God forbid a player take advantage of it, Okay, like you you need media members whose job it is to fire off a take sometimes to be literal, truthful and have integrity about what you've done between the lines. That's difficult. That would terrify me if I was Kevin Durant. And that's what Brian Winhorst was able to do. To your point, find somebody who fights for you the way Brian Winhorst does. Uh, Canteen Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance for a job you'll love. Visit Progressive.com slash careers. We don't belong, but we've constantly proven people wrong all season. Next stop, Houston. Yeah, next stop, Houston. First stop, though. First stop elsewhere in Texas with the women's final four. That's tonight as I try to get these these headphones to work here in studio. It's Doug Kazarian, our ESPN sports betting insider, joining us here on Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio. Michael Rothstein, Randy Scott uh, in for the guys. Uh, for the women's side tonight, Doug, I want to start there. Uh, you got star power in the nightcap. You got a strong matchup uh, in the undercard, so to speak, with uh, Virginia Tech and uh, their women's program taking on LSU. But there's a prop in the nightcap with Iowa and South Carolina that you really like what is it it's is it it's about caitlin clark is that right yeah i know it feels un-american to be betting against caitlin clark but (laughs) it's a really high number uh she's gonna go off she's gonna get her points i actually kind of like her points prop over but the assist is nine and a half now she averages about eight and a half tops in the country and obviously she's been dominating this tournament with triple doubles and double digit assists however this is more about south carolina first of all They haven't allowed a double-digit assist performance since 2018. And this year, when facing some of the other top assist leaders in the country, they've held them well below their season uh, average. So, I mean, she could get 10, I get it, but under 9.5 assists feels like a strong play for me. Doug, I I actually would agree with you there. I feel like that's probably right because of how South Carolina might defend her and choose to defend the rest of Iowa. But when you look at... That's point spread, which is South Carolina giving 11. Is that a fair point spread for somebody, for a team that has somebody who could go off and be a change maker like Caitlin Clark can be? Yeah, I mean, it's on the low end of things. So they were 15 or 14 and a half against Maryland and the Terps backdoor covered, but they had a lot of foul trouble in the second to some of their best players. So that was a real big sort of swinging moment of the game. The problem is it's a high-scoring game, and it, and so you, let me put it this way. If it's a low-scoring, like, rock fight like San Diego State and the men's side, 12 or 11-point spread is a lot, right? But mm-hmm. if it's a high-scoring game, then 11-point spread isn't so much, right? It's like the whole fraction component. So given that it's a high-scoring game and South Carolina can go on those runs and then, let's say, you know, a couple empty possessions, the game can get away from Iowa. So I think 11 is a fair number. I mean, they were – 
like, want to say pick them against Stanford, like eight against another good team, so maybe UConn. So I feel like 11's right. I, I would take, I would lean to South Carolina if I had to play this game. But obviously, you know, I'm rooting for Kate and Clark, Kate and Clark to let it light up because she's such a fun player to watch. He's Doug Kazarian, our ESPN sports betting insider, joining us in Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Well, what about, I keep calling it the undercard. I'm not being uh, disrespectful. I'm going to be dialed into Virginia Tech. I'll be rooting for the Hokies. Uh, LSU, though, has the edge at least, you know, at the at the window, uh, laying with just the one point. Is there anything that jumps out to you about that matchup? Where, honestly, I mean, LSU is a three seed. They're, they're a 32-win team, Doug. Right, but they're the lower seed, and it's kind of funny they're laying points. Now, typically that means, you know, that's the right side if there's a reason they're they're favored, but I I like Virginia Tech here. I mean, they can shoot the three. LSU does not shoot the three really that much at all. And Charlie Green, who's like the Joe Lenardi of the women's bracket, he likes the under. He thinks it's a low-scoring game. Again, the Tigers don't bomb threes, and they're, uh, you know, they're they're offense sputter. So I like Virginia Tech and and the under here. I, I think... The Hokies, I, I do not think we're going to see an all-SEC final. I, I like the Hokies here. I, kind of following that, Doug, I mean, if it is a lower-scoring game, do you think that that would favor LSU, though? Because we have seen Virginia Tech has the capability of scoring between Georgia Amor and Elizabeth Kitley. Well, yeah, and, and I think Amor goes over her points, by the way. Her prop is 16-and-a-half. She's had at least 21 in six straight games, and, I mean, she bombs threes. She had one game where she attempted 19 threes. Uh, so she averages about eight or so, eight and change, 10 and around 10. So I like her over, but you're right. It's going to be a slower pace game. Virginia's like 250th in terms of possessions for 40 minutes. So it could be a lower pace game, but I still think Virginia Tech's ability to score from behind the arc is going to be the difference maker here. Doug Kazarian, ESPN Sports Betting Insider. Let's go to the men's side. Uh, that tipping off tomorrow with the Final Four getting underway. Uh, UConn and Miami on one side, San Diego State and uh, Florida Atlantic on the other. And we're joking, this thing reads like a phone number in terms of seating. I mean, there's not a not a one to be found. Uh, but you got UConn as seemingly the prohibitive favorite, not only in this matchup, but also to win the whole thing. What jumps out to you, though, about this matchup with the Canes? Yeah, I mean, the, it's been a tournament dictated by unpredictability and upsets, and UConn's like the one high seed slash blue blood that has survived the carnage. But it's been dogs barking a lot. I don't want to lay the points, but they sure as heck don't want to get in front of this UConn train. They've been awesome on both ends of the court. I would need like eight points to bet against UConn. I don't want any part of the five and a half, but I don't want to lay the five and a half either. I like the con to win this thing, and I think there's actually value. You can get minus 120 or so on them to win it all. And if you look at sort of the math of it, they're laying five and a half in this game, and they're going to be bigger favorites in the next game, regardless of who they play. They might be seven against Florida Atlantic or something like that. We factor in the power ratings. So I think there's like a, a little bit of value just betting UConn to win it all. I mean, basically a two-game money line parlay, the semifinal tomorrow, and then the national championship game. So I would just bet UConn to win it all, not worry about the point spread. Doug, you hit on it just there a little bit, which is talking about underdogs and how this has really been, the, at least on the men's side, the tournament for underdogs. How has that played in Vegas? Well, the, the books have cleaned up. The, the Sunday of the opening weekend, so the, the second day of the round of 32, was like one of their best ever. Uh, just dogs barking all in. And then that started on Saturday with Duke going down. Duke was the most heavily bet game. So the public in all sports – remembers what they last saw. So we see a team play great on Monday Night Football. They get tons of action the next weekend. But you have to almost forget what you last saw. That's like the number one rule of handicapping. You have to really account for a team 
you know, you don't get to this elite level in sports by being a pushover. So if you play poorly, they usually have a bounce back performance, right? Look at the Celtics last night coming off the egg they laid against the Wizards, right? Shorthanded Wizards team blows them out. Everyone's like, what's wrong with the Celtics? Well, you know, they didn't miss a shot yesterday, and they beat Milwaukee by 40. So teams at this level usually play well. So you have to forget what you last saw. Teams that barely eke out a win in the first round usually cover the next round. So you almost kind of have to forget what you last saw. But that's what's been so impressive with all these teams, that they keep winning the game here, and UConn keeps covering as well. But – but but the, typically the house cleans up because of recency bias. All right, he is Doug Kazarian, our ESPN Sports Betting Insider. Doug, we appreciate the insight. Appreciate the little slice of Vegas. He'll be your Doug. We appreciate you, buddy. Thank you for the time. <laughs> Thanks, fellas. Have a great weekend. <laughs> what would another title mean for Don Staley? Because for as favored as UConn is on the men's side, it's even more so for a South Carolina team that's won 42 straight games. We're going to get to that. It's Michael Rothstein, Randy Scott, and for the guys on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. But we'll do that after Michael tells you about Wendy's. When you want the best deal on the best meal, choose Wendy's 2 for 6 bucks. Now you can pick two from some of Wendy's best menu items, including the Dave's Single, made only with always fresh, never frozen beef, the spicy chicken sandwich, 10-piece crispy nugs, or a medium strawberry lemonade. Pair any two for just 6 bucks. That's a Dave's Single and spicy chicken sandwich, 6 bucks. Spicy chicken sandwich with medium strawberry lemonade, 6 bucks. Strawberry lemonade with a 10-piece nugs, 6 bucks. Even a Dave's Single with another Dave's Single. Tired of hearing me say it? Yet, yeah, that's right, only 6 Bucks. Wendy's two for six bucks is one deal that lets you pick the meal you want at a price you want. Swing by Wendy's today to get the very best fast very best deal in fast food. Choose wisely, choose Wendy's. Two for six bucks for a limited time. Price and participation may vary at US Wendy's a la carte only single item at regular price. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Final four is upon us on this Friday afternoon turning evening. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series 6M Channel 80. And on your smart speaker, man, that music sounds ominous. Michael Rothstein down there <laughs> in uh, the ATL. I'm Randy Scott here in Bristol, Connecticut. You can read Michael's content. He covers the Falcons for us at ESPN. In addition to combat sports and investigative pieces, you can find that on ESPN.com. Michael, what's the what's the Twitter handle, man? 
Uh, at Mike Rothstein, super simple. Easy, easy to remember. At Randy Scott, ESPN for me. Uh, just, you know, redundant. Just drill at home. You can see him on SportsCenter AM uh, alongside Gary Streisky tomorrow at 7 a.m. Eastern on ESPN. You can see Carolyn Peck tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern. Probably ahead of that as well as coverage of the Women's Final Four is on ESPN. She's our ESPN college basketball analyst. She joins Canty and Carlin thanks to Wendy's two for six bucks. The best deal in fast food. You're in Dallas there, Carolyn. I hope you've been out to, uh, oh, what's the gas station with the best breakfast tacos? It's like it's like Fuel Center or Fuel City or something like that. Did y'all make a field trip yet? I've heard about it. I haven't made it there yet, but I, I got time tomorrow. I may hit it up. Yeah, you're a little busy tonight, and I keep calling it. I'm, I'm sort of, I'm sort of getting checked, Carolyn, because I keep calling Virginia Tech, uh, you know, Virginia Tech's matchup with with LSU, the undercard, just because of all the attention that's focused on on South Carolina and on uh, on Iowa for good reason. But uh, what are you watching for as as the Hokies rep that one seed that they've earned? And I look at LSU, a 32 win team, as a three seed, and I just I can't help but but chuckle at that. Let me tell you, that's going to be a good game. You've got Virginia Tech that has a point guard. Her name is Georgia Amore. She's already made 23s in the first four games in the first four rounds of this tournament. So she's going to be a handful. But the one thing that is always guaranteed from Kim Mulkey's coach team is they defend. And so will LSU's defense be able to slow down Virginia Tech's offense? Carolyn, you mentioned Virginia Tech. Kenny Brooks, this is really the second program that he has built from, you know, taking it to levels that it had not gotten to before. What has he done at Virginia Tech that has kind of gotten to them, them to this point? Because this has not been a place that Virginia Tech has been before. Well, the thing that Kenny Brooks, remember when he was at James Madison, he always had solid basketball teams. And I think that it has really been difficult for him, being a black man, to get a power five job and really Virginia Tech like you said hadn't been a a program that's been on the map and when he went to Virginia Tech he instead of looking at uh, the obstacles set against him he looked at opportunities in front of him he knew that if he brought in good solid talent and he just built the foundation from the ground up he had the vision of being able to get the program where it is You needed a solid post player inside. He got that with Elizabeth Kitley, the point guard in Georgia, Amore. And then having Kiana Trailer and also having Taylor Stoll transfer in helped him to build the core of his defense to go along with that offense. And that's what's gotten Virginia Tech where they are. From an LSU side, as we're talking with Carolyn Peck, our ESPN college basketball analyst, who's in Dallas for the Women's Final Four, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Uh, You look at at Angel Reese's productivity, attitude, swagger, all of it. What does she mean to this LSU Tigers team, Carolyn? Isn't she a walking double-double? I love watching (laughs) Angel Reese play. Uh I'm going to tell you, she gets it done. I love her motor. I love a a post player. She's really not a post player because when she came out of high school, she was the number one overall wing player because she's got the ability to handle the basketball. But she likes to mix it up and get inside. She's a fierce competitor. She's Mm -hmm. talked about growing up and playing basketball in the street. I don't know if you've ever played the game 21, but it's make it, take it. Yeah. You know, you can have six players out there. Angel Reese plays like that every night that she's on the floor. It's like she goes and scores it, then gets back on defense and is like, next up, let's go. (laughs) So you have to not only defend her first action of attacking the basket, 
but she's going to go get she's going to go after every miss, whether it's her own or her teammates. It has really been very difficult for any opponent to try to keep Angel Reese off the glass. We're talking to Carolyn Peck, ESPN's women's college basketball analyst here on Canyon and Carlin. And Carolyn, I want to flip games a little bit because a lot of people focus on Caitlin Clark when you're talking about Iowa, but they have other players that can cause problems, right? Like this isn't just the Caitlin Clark show that I think a lot of people look at this and, and have described it as such. Absolutely. When you've got Monica Zanano inside, that I think that she's really improved from the first time Iowa played Indiana. Mackenzie Holmes kind of had her way with Monica. She learned from that and learning that she had to use her footwork and couldn't rely on just staying, staying planted on the block. So her game has improved. You also have Gabby, Gabby Marshall, who has been lighting it up from the perimeter. She's been able to shoot the ball extremely well, and that opens up the floor. Specifically, if you run a Caitlin Clark off the three-point line and she gets inside, you rotate any uh, off any of the shooters really on the outside. Kate Martin is shooting it well for Iowa as for Iowa too. So now can South Carolina run Caitlin Clark off the three-point line and also be there on the catch for the supporting cast? Carolyn Peck, our ESPN college basketball analyst in Dallas for the women's final four, can't have you on without getting predictions. Who's playing for the national title? Oh, you're going all the way to Sunday, and we haven't even gotten past Friday. We got to get – okay, I, I can put it a different – Carolyn, I can put it a different way. Who wins tonight? I, I think that South Carolina wins tonight, but I think we're in for a heck of a great ball game, and I think it's because of the length that South Carolina has, their ability to get on the glass. I think they're also their length will help them in being able to defend especially those three point shots of Iowa. I think it I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a great battle, but I think South Carolina can pull it off. And then on the other side, that's a tough one there because it is offense against defense. Uh, the defense that LSU has the potential to bring. And if Alexis Morris Bring, she has an alter ego and goes by the name of Lex Luthor. If Lex, <laughs> Lex Luthor shows up early to compliment Angel Reese, mm-hmm. they could be a handful for Virginia Tech. But Virginia Tech, on the other hand, we talked about Georgia Amore and those pieces. I think that team, that game is going to come down to um, the Hokies. I think that Virginia Tech is going to be able to advance to the national championship game. A couple of one seats. And then you want to know who's going to win it all. I do. I mean, because we're not going to get a chance to visit with you before that thing tips on Sunday. All right. Thank you. Oh, Carolyn. All right, Carolyn Peck. Hey, have a great broadcast tonight. Here's to a couple of great games. Really appreciate the time. All right. Thanks, guys. Oh, she got us so good. Carolyn Peck just absolutely (laughs) destroyed us. Again, it's the Women's Final Four tipping off 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2, and it's a fantastic opportunity to second screen this thing, have the game on, and then have your tablet or something with the Sue Bird, Diana Taurasi broadcast. That's at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. I think that's on the app as well. That is a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun last year, believe me. Michael Rossi and Randy Scott just trying to match that level of fun. Did the Celtics send a message to the rest to the NBA last night with their massive win over the Bucks. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. 
Jalen looking for his 30-piece drive. Goes off the window and in, and there it is. I think I have a foul going towards the hole. Tatum looking for a 40-piece drive. Flushes hard with two hands. Joe Ingles is just like, who put me on this guy? It's that time of the year. We're all getting ready for the playoffs. You know, back against the wall, survival of the fittest. So, you know, we want to be the last team on top, and we know this team is one of the teams we got to go through. We got a little Trey Songs. We got a little Bottoms Up. Let's go. It's Canty and Carlin. ESPN Radio. Shout out 2009, 2010. <laughs> what do we got? 2011. 2011. All right. I was in I was in Boston back then. I was covering the Celtics back then, which dovetails nicely on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Sirius XM Channel 80, as well as on your smart speaker. That wasn't a punchline. It was just the truth. Come on. That, 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 was an aggr- that was an aggressive rim shot there. That was. 888-729-3776 is the phone number. As Canty and Carlin is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Uh, if you took the underdog Boston Celtics last night, you cleaned up. Whether it was on, on FanDuel or, yeah, as long as it was on FanDuel. They were a two-point underdog, Michael Rothstein, Randy Scott, in for the guys. And they won by a tidy 41 points in Milwaukee. <laughs> Over the team that they're trying to chase down for the one seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Giannis did play. You're thinking, well, Giannis must not have played. No, Giannis played. Okay, fella. Giannis played, and he had 24 points. And he summed up this this second largest home loss in franchise history like this. Just summed it up. <laughs> did Giannis. It's not hard to understand. If you don't, if you're not focused, if you don't play hard, they're going to kick our ass. Simple as that. They did it tonight. One by 40. Uh, if you're not locked in, if you don't play hard, and if you, uh, you know, um, don't go out there to make it tough for them, they're going to kick our ass. It's simple as that. Yeah, it was as simple as that. <laughs> Michael, what did you see from Boston that maybe, maybe should concern Milwaukee? I mean, listen, they won by 41. That should always be concerning, right? But here's here's the wrinkle, Randy Scott. It's still the regular season. I'm not I'm not buying in any of this. We know what type of team Milwaukee is. We know what type of team Boston is. I anticipate we're going to see them play in a full seven-game series here to go to the NBA Finals. I'm not buying a ton into this. Uh, a lot of people might want to try and make it be a statement game. Uh, talk to me when it matters. Like, seriously, just talk to me when it talk to me when it really, really matters. Uh-huh. These these two teams know each other well. They've played against one one another a lot. And also, let's be real, Randy Scott. Once you're down by like twenty or thirty, I don't care if it's the NBA where every game comes down to the last two minutes. You're gonna maybe conserve some energy because you know you might be playing for another two months. I'm not buying a ton into this, other than it was a really nice performance by the Celtics on one night of 82 games in a regular season. If Boston, who got through Milwaukee last season to get to the NBA Finals, uh, can continue to unlock this not just idea of coexistence between Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, but thriving. Like if they yeah. both can go off the way they did yesterday, Tatum had 40. Uh, it was uh, Jalen Brown had 30, so it's I, I think it was like the 11th time this season that those no, excuse me, yeah, it was the 11th time this season that they both had 30 or more in the same game. Tatum has his 22nd career 40 point game, passes Paul Pierce uh, for second most in Celts history, and if they can unlock this against this defense, because again, Giannis played, 
And when you watch that, so Jason Tatum went 8 of 10 from distance. Is that going to repeat itself? No. Is he going to knock down eight three-pointers a game across a you know, 5-6-7 game series in the postseason? No, he's not. But this was in Milwaukee. This was not in Boston. It wasn't that the fans got on Giannis and the thing got away from him. This was in Milwaukee. Okay, this is Algonquin for the good land. And it wasn't good to the deer who were coming off of impressive impressive performances. I mean, the the, the dunk that, that Grayson Allen had at the rim where he was eye level with the rim. He got like a Tom Chambers cable guy boost. <laughs> like, like I've never dunked before. Thanks for the boost. Like, that's what he got. And it, the deer were at a at a at a high point closing in on the one seed, up two games now with five games to play. And Boston went in there and spanked him. And if sure. you are Boston, I think it's not out of the realm of possibility, as you look at the rest of the, of their schedule, they could chase Milwaukee down. And that is significant when you get to the postseason, as you said, where it's time to put up or shut up. Now, would it be significant if Boston can chase Milwaukee down and get the number one seed? Yes, absolutely. Without question. Does this game help them toward that? Yes, it does. Does maybe this type of statement game give them give Milwaukee some pause, some second thought, perhaps, if they mm-hmm. were to play Boston in a series? Yeah, and that's all valuable. But I go back to the same thing. This is one game of 82. The Bucs have been playing well up to this point. These types of things happen. Maybe not at a 41-point level, but these types of games happen. These types of things happen. I'm not sitting there all worried about the Milwaukee Bucks all of a sudden because this happened to them against the Boston Celtics. I will, however, Randy, agree with you on this. If Brown and Tatum are playing at this level, they're winning the NBA title. And they might not play more than six games in a series, might even not play more than five games so, in a series, because they can be that dominant throughout the Eastern Conference. And then whoever wins the West, that's going to be so brutal that that team's going to be exhausted. So do you, so you think you think that the NBA champion comes out of the Eastern Conference? If it is Boston or Milwaukee, yes. Do you see it being anybody else? Like, could, like, could you see a path to Philly getting hot, riding, you know, 40 a night from Embiid and somehow getting through this gauntlet. Because Philly's going to have to go through both. They're going to have to go through both Boston and Milwaukee, barring some sort of, you know, first-round calamity against the uh, the play-in winners. Sure, I can see a path because Philly does have a good level of talent. It goes back to the argument that I've had all along when it comes to Philly, which is I'm not sold on the quality of their number three and number four options versus Boston and Milwaukee. And and that matters in playoff series when you're talking about seven game series. Hmm. I I just, yeah, I, I can see a path, but it's not one that I would feel very confident having to, you know, put my, my gusto behind Randy. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not sold on Boston's third option. I think Philadelphia might have a decision to make it third. Is it Tyrese Maxey, DeAnthony Melton? Is it Tobias? Whomever. I think I, who's the number three for Boston? Al Horford? Derek Maybe. White? I mean, they, they Joe Mazzula can't settle on a third option. There are there are fourth quarters where Derek White doesn't play. That that sh- that flat out should not happen. It's it, it's not Marcus Smart. No matter what. Marcus Smart might think. <laughs> is the insanity that we've seen in the NCAA tournament the new norm? Michael Rossi and Brandy Scott are for the guys. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.